In this week's episode of Full Stack Radio, I talked to Sebastian Chopin about building universal Vue.js applications with Nuxt.js. This is Full Stack Radio, episode 99.5. Hey everyone, before we get into the interview today, just a quick reminder that I'm going to be speaking about advanced Vue component design next month at ViewConf in Toronto. And the organizers of the conference have been kind enough to give me a coupon to share just with my audience. So if you're local to the area and interested in checking out the conference, use the code ADVANCEDVIEW, all one word, uppercase, when checking out to save a bunch of money on your conference tickets. So head over to ViewToronto.com to learn more about that if you're interested. That's all I got. On to the interview with Sebastian. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Full Stack Radio podcast. I'm your host, Adam, as always. And today, it's my pleasure to be speaking with Sebastian Chopin, the creator of Nuxt.js. How's it going? It's, I'm going fine. Thank you. And you? I'm doing great, too. Yeah. So um, for anyone who's not very familiar with you, do you mind just briefly introducing yourself and talking a little bit about what you do? Sure. So I'm Sebastian Chopin. I've been a web developer since I'm 14. I've used to write PHP and a bit of JavaScript, thanks to jQuery. And after my university, I worked for a company that was doing e-commerce and we were creating REST API back then and we were using Backbone.js for the web application. And it all started uh, for server-side rendering, the server-side rendering part was when we wanted to have a web app that was um, SEO compatible without having to use any kind of pre-rendering system. Mm-hmm. We tried to do something with PhantomJS back then, but that's most of my work. I was using Node.js when it started at zero point four, something like this. Oh wow! And so yeah. I've been using JavaScript for the last eight years, and I I discovered Vue three and a half years ago when my brother Alexander sent me the link. I was since I was from Backbone.js, I was like, hey, why not using React? It looks like the same. Then Alex sent me the link of the documentation of Vue.js, and I just fell in love because the documentation when I was reading it, it was like a book. And everything was so logical. So uh, that's how I got into Vue.js. Awesome. Yeah, so um, you do a lot of work on Nuxt.js, I think. Did you create Nuxt on your own or you worked on it with uh, someone else as well? So I I started working on Nuxt.js alone because it was still a prototype. I've seen uh, Next.js. I was already working on... uh, on the e-commerce website, I was using Vue and Vue Server Render. So I was already having a universal application. But then I've seen Next.js article. And yeah, it was the same feeling as with Vue. I just felt in love with the concept of the pages directory. It was like PHP. And since I, I, I was kind of missing PHP, and uh, I was like, OK, let's try to do the same for Vue. And it took me one week to do that. It was really hard. But <laughs> then when I when I got a prototype working, a prototype working, my brother, uh, I sent it to my brother, and he saw it, and he was like, 
okay let, this is good this is a good start let's let's try to to see what we can do and he got this idea of the generate feature it was two weeks after uh, the prototype was working and and yeah it was it was mostly working with Jekyll back then so Jekyll or exo and we implemented this feature as well and that's how that's how next started it was the generate part and also the universal application part awesome yeah so um maybe a, a good place to kind of start would be to step back a little bit and talk a little bit about um what nuxt really is and sort of what problems it's designed to solve because yeah i've actually never worked with it on a real project before and i'm sure a lot of the listeners have heard of it but haven't had a chance to try it out or don't really understand enough about what when to use it or what to use it for um, so what is sort of your pitch for Nuxt.js? Well, it changed, uh, for the last two years, it, it changed a bit since at the beginning we had the universal and then the generate feature. And now we have the single page application mode. So with Nuxt, you can do everything. There is no limit of, of using it. Um, but I would say that if you want to have a, you want to go fast, you want to try Vue.js, but you don't want to understand how everything works. Uh, I believe Next is a good start because you don't have to understand how the Vue router works. Uh, you do, just have to understand how components works in Vue and you can already start building an application. Then you don't need to understand Webpack as well because when we created Next, Back then, there was a, a build folder that you have to keep in your application and understand what's going on inside and uh, upgrade it when you need to upgrade Webpack. So one best feature of Nux was you can start writing an application without worrying about your bundling dependencies and understanding what's going on under the hood. Like PHP, you start your server and you create it you create pages and it just work. So that's that's the bit for, yeah. for Next. So um, the way that I kind of understand Nuxt, and a lot of this is based on uh, a conversation that I had with Tim, who works on Next.js uh, for the podcast as well. Um, that was the most recent episode. Um, but basically it's like a, a client-side framework kind of with that uses view that is a little bit more opinionated in terms of it kind of scaffolds out a project structure for you and gives you all the pieces that you need to get things working so you don't have to make decisions about necessarily all the different things that you want to pull in to get things working together or configurate or choose your directory structure or stuff like that yeah um, but the, the most interesting part that i think um is not necessarily obvious to people who haven't played with it is what you've kind of been talking about, which is this concept of pages and this pages directory mm -hmm. um, where you put these kind of special view files that end up kind of automatically uh, being made available as routes in your application based on the directory yeah. structure in the pages uh, folder, right? So do you mind talking a little bit about um, what that looks like and how that works um, for people who have just never used Nuxt at all and don't really know much about what it is? Yeah. So the pages directory, we we read it, we read all the files inside it, and based on the file name, 
we will generate the associated root. So for example, if you have pages slash index.view, it will generate the slash root. If you have about.view, it will generate the slash about. And then we have the dynamic file name option. <clears throat> Sorry. If you start with uh, an underscore, like underscore slug.view, it will generate the uh, semicolon uh, slug. So it will generate a dynamic file. And then in this async data a method we have in pages, you can get back the parameters. So you can, actually you can create any kind of application because you can create also dynamic root with the pages, um, with the file names directly. Uh, you, we push it even further where you can create nested root and nested, um, yeah, nested root with the child root like view router. So we implemented 90% of the view router uh, features directly through the file names inside yeah. pages. That's and really... what's good also, I'm sorry, oh, what's good also is uh, that you, if you know a bit of Nuxt and you go directly inside a, a Nuxt project, you can get started quickly because you know how the project structures works and you know if you need to edit a page, you know directly where to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's really a cool concept for sure. I love the idea that the whole kind of structure of your URLs and everything is just defined by creating files that match up to to every endpoint and it all just kind of happens uh, automatically. So um, one thing that I think is worth worth clarifying and maybe we could start this next piece of the discussion is that um, these files that are in your pages directory are view components. So every page yeah. is kind of a component. And whenever you visit that route that's generated based on the file name for that page, um, yes. Nuxt is just going to kind of load up that component as that as that page. Um, so you mentioned that each component in the pages directory has this special async data method. And yeah. you talked a little bit about how that how there you can get access to the route parameters and stuff like that. So, so, so what is the async data method? Um, how does it work? What is it for? Because it's kind of like a special method that doesn't exist on a regular view component. Yeah, definitely. So we created this async data method in the pages component. So we are able, uh, thanks to view router to fetch the component associated to the root to a root. So then we know it's a component inside the pages directory. And because of this, on the, on the server-side part, we need to wait until the pages component has the data in it to render the page. Otherwise, um, it will be synchronous. Uh, yeah, so you know what? Maybe it's worth ex even mentioning like that the whole idea of server-side rendering in Nuxt, because we haven't even talked about that. So maybe it's worth just kind of... Uh, making it clear to the listeners that one of the big features of Nuxt is being able to easily server render these pages, like you kind of mentioned with like an e-commerce site where you yeah. want that to be SEO optimized. Um, so that when someone loads the page, everything is already there right on first page yeah. load, instead of having to wait for view to sort of boot up and, uh, you know, having a blank figure page everything out. Yeah, yeah. And then load your, your stuff after the fact. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so server-side rendering is one of the best features. Um, 
people are still uh, wondering if it's a good idea or not to use server-side rendering. From my point of view, I think it's one of the best features for the web since you give directly the content, uh, the server-rendered content to the user. So you can already scan and read the page while the JavaScript is being downloaded and then parsed and then executed. And when it's executed, it will regenerate the application, match it with the server render HTML and make everything dynamic. And the client-side interaction will be handled by view. So it won't reload the page anymore when you will navigate. And this is for me the best user experience we can give. And in terms of performances, it's also great for two things. The first one is the user will hit your server, your Nux server, only once because when it's loaded, it will navigate only on client side. So the view server rendered uh, module will only be called once per session. And the second good thing is because we know on which page you are and because we could split every pages automatically, we are able also to prefetch the next pages and all the components you need for this page. So we can use the HTTP2 header and also the link preload uh, in the header as well. So to give the best performances for your visitors. So are you saying that um, one of the things that Nuxt can do is uh, it, it, it will display the server rendered version of whichever page you go to first on a site um, but yeah. rather than necessarily downloading the entire JavaScript bundle for the entire app, it's just going to download what's necessary. So there's like some intelligent code splitting stuff yeah. kind of built in. And then as you navigate to new pages, they kind of detect, okay, well, this page from here, these are sort of the four pages that someone could get to. So maybe we'll prefetch some of the pieces that would be needed for those so that when they go there, it feels faster and stuff like that. Exactly. We we recently released a module that we have seen. Uh, it's guest guest.js, and we have a module called Nuxt Guest. And when you use it, you can directly give your Google Analytics ID, and based on the statistics, we are able to prefetch for you the next page where your visitor is the most uh, probably visit the page. Yeah. I mean, is the we are able to guess the next page your visitor That's very will cool. go. So yeah, we can mix it with the JavaScript code splitting. So to prefetch directly when you hit the page, to preload the next pages, so it will be directly stand. Just wanted to take a quick break to thank one of this week's sponsors, and that is Cloudinary. So if I had to describe Cloudinary myself, it's basically just the best way to store and serve images that I've ever seen. In the past, I used to use generic storage services like Amazon S3 to store and serve images, uh, but after switching to Cloudinary, I genuinely cannot believe I ever did this stuff any other way. Uh, so here's one example of how Cloudinary has made my life easier. Uh, so you probably know that typically images are the heaviest resource your users have to download when they visit your site, right? Usually way more than your JavaScript or CSS. So in the past, I would spend a lot of time tweaking settings and tools like Image Alpha and Image Optim to try and optimize my image files so they weren't as large. Uh, with Cloudinary, I can just upload the full resolution file without even really thinking about it. And then by just adding a parameter to the image URL that I get back, uh, when I go to serve it on my site, Cloudinary will automatically optimize that image as best as it can, usually resulting in file sizes that 
are actually lower than what I was seeing when trying to optimize the images by hand. Uh, this is even more useful for like user uploaded images because instead of trying to do some fancy automatic image optimization in a background job on my own server or something, I can just send those images directly to Cloudinary from the browser, I request the optimized version back by adding that URL parameter and bam, I've got an optimized image at a really small file size. Uh, so there's an enormous amount of other cool stuff that you can do through the URL based API. That's really just scratching the surface, but you can do stuff like request images at different sizes so you can serve smaller images on mobile devices so you're not wasting bandwidth. Uh, you can crop images to different dimensions. You can crop images using face detection, so just crop to the faces in an image. Uh, you can automatically add watermarks or text overlays or tons of different effects and stuff like that. It's a seriously impressive service. So Cloudinary has an amazing free plan where you can store 300,000 images and videos. Yeah, did I mention you can do all this crazy stuff, not just with images, but also with videos too. Uh, you get 10 gigabytes of storage and 20 gigabytes of monthly bandwidth on this free plan uh, so if you're not already using them definitely head over to cloudinary.com and check it out it really is one of my absolute favorite services that i use on my own projects thanks a ton to cloudinary for sponsoring this episode back to the show okay so now that we kind of talked a little bit about um the general idea of server-side rendering in nuxt and how it's a feature of nuxt um maybe we can continue talking about this async data method um yeah since it's a little easier to understand why you need it if you need to do some stuff on the server. So so, so what is the async data method for and and when does it get called and stuff like that? Yeah, so I will give an example of you have a page where you need to fetch some data from an API. Let's say a listing of blog posts. You have a blog, you want to show the listing of your articles. So when you go to this route, you want to make sure that your API call return the data so then your component has the data and your um, the V4 or uh, all your listing will be rendered before sending back the HTML. Mm -hmm. So we had to create a method that will be asynchronous because most of the method, all the methods inside a view component are synchronous. We had to find a way on the server to, to give the user a method that could be asynchronous. So then we can wait for this method to finish before rendering the HTML. The, the issue with that is the view component is not instantiated. So it doesn't work like a normal method inside your, inside your view component. So we had to give some context to this async data. And if you go to nextjs.org slash API, slash context, we, we have all the um, all these variable we give to the async data method. So if you're from the server-side rendering, you can get the server-side request, the server-side response if you want to change some headers, for example. But you can also get the root params, the root query. You can get the if the user is running from the client or from the servers. We have the hello world example that that is a great example for understanding the async data method. And so yeah, it's it's really a, an, a way like Next.js get initial props, a good way to prefetch the data before server-side manual. So is the way that it works um, when Nuxt is trying to server render the component, it, it calls the async data method 
um, and then waits for that to resolve, I guess, before it yes. actually tries to instantiate the, the component and figure out what its rendered state should be. Yeah. So what we do, we wait for the async data method to resolve. We get this data. So async data is like data for view, but asynchronous. So we get the result and we merge it with the data method directly. So then when the component will be instantiated with view before server render it, the data will already be transformed to get the, the async data and the data merged together. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So what's the difference, I guess, between like using async data and storing things as data on the page um, versus how next works with like get initial props? Is there any real difference there? I guess in my head, I'm thinking, is there a situation where you wouldn't want there to actually be a data property on the component and you instead want it to be coming in as props or because they're kind of these top level page components does it not really matter at all anyways because they're sort of at the top of the component tree already yeah since they are quite at the top we have the layouts on top of it but with Vue.js it doesn't really work with properties it's mostly data directly and yeah it, it works the same as get initial props from Next.js and uh, it's been a long time since I didn't play with Next.js, mm. but uh, I, I believe it, it's called as well when you do client-side navigation. So that's also the part of async data that it works both on server-side and client-side. So when you navigate to these listing pages and you were on a post, Next.js will wait for the async data. It will call the async data of the next page wait for it to resolve. So in the meantime, we will display a, a loading bar on the top yeah. of the page. And then we will switch to the to the new component page when it, it has been resolved. Got so it. this async data works both on server side and client side. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So um, what sort of things would you do in the async data method, uh, maybe differently, depending on whether you're in a server context or a client context? Because like you mentioned, um, you're passed to this context object that will give you that information. It'll tell you, are you is it is this currently being rendered on the server or is it being rendered on the client? Hmm. That sort of thing. Um, normally, there won't be any difference. It shouldn't, since uh, you should use Next uh, with an external API. So the API call you will make, you may want to use Axios directly. That is a isomorphic. Uh, um, HTTP library, mm -hmm. so it works both on client side and server side. So it will be the same code when you look at it and works on the two environment. Uh, what I, I would change if I use, for example, Adonis, which is the Laravel for Node.js, yeah. combined with Next.js, we have a prototype called Adonext. And what you can do in async data is, for example, uh, getting the session on the server side directly without having to make an HTTP request, since uh, you are aware, for example, with rec.sessions directly, you know the user session. And on the client side, since we know that this uh, page or this uh, data will be called on the server side once, we can put this data in the Vuex store and get it on the client side. So we can, if you want to optimize the HTTP request, on the server, you can check if 
async data is run on the server on the client. But this is mostly for performances that you will do this difference inside async data. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so um, I'm looking at kind of the documentation here to try and see if there's there's other things about page components that make them special compared to regular view components, right? And I noticed yeah. um, I, there's seems to be a, a a number of different things. So maybe yeah. um, if you'd like to talk about some of the other kind of special methods and stuff that you get on a page component that are specific to things that you can do with Nuxt, um, you know, versus what a regular view component could do. So with the pages component, so we talk about async data, we have fetch as well. So fetch is like async data. It will be called at the same time of async data in parallel, but it's mostly used for uh, dispatching action for the store and you don't have to return anything. And even if you return something, it won't be merged with the data method. So it's mostly for uh, clarity. You will use fetch if you want to call some store actions. But most of the time, you may want to use async data directly. Okay. Uh, we have head, but head works also on components. This is, we are using ViewMeta library. We are also maintaining it. And it's to manage all your head elements of a page. Yeah, so that's like stuff like um, the title, for example. Exactly, uh, the meta tags, uh, all you need to change for the SEO. And this could be also dynamic if you use it as a function, so you can get the data from the async data method, for example, the post title. And then we have the layout key. So the layout directory um, allow you to yeah, to use layouts. <laughs> and uh, so you have this Nuxt component that you can use in your layouts and it will render the current page actually. And in your pages, you can specify what layout you are. To give you an example, if you go to an e-commerce website and you go to the checkout process, you may want to change your navbar to, sure. to let the user focus on the checking, checking out step. Mm -hmm. And so this is where you can change the layout dynamically in the pages. We have the middleware. So for these, for the people that knows Express.js, uh, I used to work with Express for the last eight years and I love the middleware system. So we did the same in view in Next. So you can create functions in the middleware directory and the name of the file will be the name of the middleware directly. And then you can have a middleware. The best example is the out middleware. So in this middleware, you have a function and you will check inside the store if your user is authenticated. And if he's not authenticated, you can redirect him on the homepage or slash login page. And then you can use the middleware key in your pages to say, okay, this area is protected I will use the odd middleware. And then next we call it directly before calling the async data method. So what what is it what does the content of a middleware look like? Like if you wanted to say take the user to a different page instead, what are you returning from the middleware function to sort of tell Nox like don't actually render this component, do something different? So the middleware has to export a function. So we will call this function directly and you receive the context, which is the same context as async data. 
Okay. So you can check the store, you can check the headers, for example. You can check uh, everything you want inside. And we also have the redirect method or the hero method. If you want to show the hero page or you can use redirect if you want to redirect the user to a specific URL. And this redirect method is special since it works both on server side and client side. So on server side, we will use, we will change the headers of the request. So it will be a, a good statue code and same for hero as well. So yeah, you will use redirect. So for example, you have a function for, you have a middleware called out.js, you export a function, you check if inside your store.state, if the user is authenticated. If not, you redirect slash login. Got it. And that's it. Cool. Yeah, so maybe uh, the next thing to talk about would be some of the server-side rendering options and some of the details behind that. Because you kind of hinted at it a few times. There's a sounds like there's a few different ways that you can use Next from a server-side um, perspective. So do you mind talking a little bit about what some of the ways that you might set Next up are, you know, like with the dynamic server rendering versus generating a set of static pages. What are all the different ways you can do it and the benefits of, of each approach? Yeah. <clears throat> so in Next, we have uh, two modes to start. We have the universal mode. This mode you will configure it inside nuxconfig.js. Uh, it's the mode key and it's a string. You say universal. With the universal, you will have server side rendering. Otherwise, you change it to SPA and it will only have client-side bundle and you won't have any server-side rendering feature. Um, but this, I will, for me, I will use the single-page application mode if I need to create a back office and I don't, I don't care about SEO mm -hmm. since uh, there is some common flows and caveats with server-side rendering. If you use some library that directly depends on the window, this library won't work inside the Node.js environment. So it, it will throw an error. So you have to, to, to update some options of the plugins to say, okay, just run it on the client side. And there is some caveat with the universal rendering. It all depends of, your, of the needs of your application you're building. And about the generate feature, the pre-rendered application, if you don't need any authentication, for example, like a blog post, a documentation, uh, other kind of website like this, and your content doesn't change every minute, like a documentation, for yeah. example, you can use this generate feature and it will fetch all your page, server render them, store them inside a HTML file and create this dist directory that you can directly push to Netlify, a Zite, a Static, or a GitHub page, for example. Yeah. So that option is kind of interesting because um, I think I first, the first time that I noticed a project doing that, which was long after Nuxt already supported it, as far as I understand, um, was when I was looking into ViewPress. Um, mm, and I yeah. noticed that ViewPress had a similar feature, which I thought was kind of cool. So um so the way it works, I guess, basically, it runs through every single component that in the pages directory, generates yeah. a static version of it, um, and then w you can hit any one of those endpoints and you're just going to get that static file. But each one of those static files also comes with, I guess, that bit of code necessary to sort of yeah. 
load up the view and get everything working. And then once you're already on the page, now every every click to a new page is all happening client side, which I mean, that's how everything else happens in Nuxt anyways. But it's kind of neat to have this idea of every page actually works as your entry point um, separately. Exactly. Um, the, um, about ViewPress, I remember the first time we had these features, it was in at the end of 2016. It was still uh, confusing some people. And I remember it was my first talk in front of Evanue. It was at a meetup. And I was trying to explain the generate feature. And since I'm French, I didn't have any uh, good word in English to explain <laughs> what it was doing. So I was like, yeah, it's like Jekyll, but if no one knows Jekyll, it was pretty hard to explain. And I remember Ivan was understanding and trying to understand how what's this kind of magic behind. And and yeah, he really liked it. And I think that's uh, ViewPress was inspired by it, but it's made definitely for documentation. Yeah, it's which very is specific great. use case. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. So so maybe it's worth talking um, a little bit more in detail about sort of the the standard kind of Nuxt server setup where you would have, I guess, a node server or something that's receiving all of the initial requests yes. and kind of rendering the page for you. So so how does that actually work? What do you actually need to do to, to get something like that working? I know with Next, for example, you have to write like your own custom node server and they kind of have some documentation for it. Does Next make that any easier or is it similar? Oh, if I think uh, for Next.js, if you want to create dynamic route, you need to, to use your own Node.js server. Uh, but I think they're planning to have dynamic routes with file names as well. Okay. And... Um, for us, because we were handling dynamic routes, you don't need to have your custom Node.js server. You can directly use the Nuxt server. So when you run Nuxt uh, build and then Nuxt start, you will have a production Node.js server for production that you can directly uh, push to any Node.js hosting. So it could be on Heroku site, DigitalOcean, uh, I mean, any kind of Node.js hosting. And, and yeah, actually, that's it. You, you can directly deploy to this Node.js hosting and you have your universal application. It's really ba- basic and we have an FAQ on the documentation to to explain how to deploy on these different hosting platforms. Got it. Yeah, that's awesome. So that sounds uh, a lot easier for sure. <laughs> so yeah. looking at the documentation here, just to understand, it looks like your deployment process would basically be running the Nuxt build command, which is going to just build your site for production. Yeah, exactly. And then Nuxt start is going to spin up a node server. Um, is yeah. that node server using any like specific technologies under the hood? Is it like just a custom thing or does it use Express? We, are, or? we, are, we were wondering if we had to use Express, but since we want it to be as light as possible so people can use it for different uh, Node.js framework like Happy, Adonis, uh, even Express. We uh, we decide to use um, Connect, which is the um, the part of Express, which is mostly for the middlewares. Okay. So we can use Express middleware since most of the time Connect middleware, and then we use the serve static middleware. Uh, we use the compression middleware and other middleware that you need for having a secured and fast Node.js application. 
And you can also use Next as an NPM module. So you require Next, and then you you can call Next.build and Next.start and Next.listen, or you can also use it as a middleware for your Express application. You can say Next.render as a middleware, and, and you can have your own Node.js server and use Next as a middleware. Just wanted to take a quick break to thank one of this week's sponsors, and that is Rollbar. So there are two major problems with relying on your users to submit bug reports to you when they find something broken in your app. Number one, you can't discover all bugs this way. And number two, some users don't even bother submitting bug reports. They just wait for you to fix it, and if you don't, they just leave the service. Now, the best software teams practice proactive error monitoring, which means you detect all the errors in your production apps and services in real time, and then you can debug important errors in minutes or hours, often before your users even notice. Uh, teams from big companies you might have heard of like Twilio, CircleCI, Instacart, they use Rollbar to do this. With Rollbar, you get a real-time feed of all your errors so you know exactly what's broken in production, and Rollbar automatically collects all the relevant data and metadata you need to debug those errors so you don't have to waste time sifting through logs. Debugging errors with Rollbar is crazy fast. You get the exact stack trace linked directly into your code base, the request parameters to easily reproduce the issue yourself, a data on which user is affected so you know if it's the same user repeating the same error again, what browser and operating system, basically everything you need all in one place. They also have this awesome telemetry feature that's kind of like getting a black box recorder after a crash, but for errors. It shows you all the browser events leading up to that error. Uh, so if you aren't using Rollbar already, there's a special offer just for full stack radio listeners. If you head over to rollbar.com slash full stack radio, create an account and install Rollbar in your application, Rollbar will give you a $100 gift card that you can spend to support any of your favorite open source projects at Open Collective. So thanks to Rollbar for sponsoring the podcast this week. Back to the show. So one thing that I think would be worth talking about um, that I think for people who do a lot with single page applications or, you know, uh, Nux.js and stuff would be really obvious. But for a lot of people who haven't is maybe not as obvious is kind of what happens on the Nux server and what doesn't happen on the Nux server. So I think a lot of people think of like server rendered application. They think of like a Rails app or something, right? Where you're doing a bunch of work on the server. You have this monolithic project that goes to the database, gets data back, renders a view and sends it back to the client. Um, but the way I understand like how server rendering with Nuxt works um, it's very limited in what it's responsible for. Like it's not going to do any of that talking to the database or, or any of that stuff. Um, I mean, it could, but it's definitely not a good idea to do that. Uh, next purpose, its main scope at least is UI rendering. So we're trying to abstracting away the client and server distribution. But what we definitely recommend when you want to do universal application is to have your external API that could be a REST API or GraphQL API yep. or even a SOAP API if you're crazy. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then you have your next server. And by separating the two, you can also scale more easily your API or your, your rendering platform, your next, your next server. And you can, you can directly call your database, but it's your code will be a mess because you will have too many conditions if you're on server side yeah, or if, if you're, you're on client, client side. 
And then we want to make sure that uh, the backend developers can work uh, on the API, the front-end developer can work on Next. Yeah. You don't need to be a full-stack developer to understand Next. Of course, it's better if you have some uh, knowledge about Node.js, but just knowing how to write view component, you can directly create a, a view application. Yeah. So I think the best way to think about it, at least what's what's helped me understand how things work, is you still think of Next applications as they can be server-rendered, but they're still client-side applications. Yeah, right. it is client-side application. It's just that we server-render the first hit on the yeah. And then it's only client-side. It's completely different than... Uh, Rails app, or I think like a Laravel application, yeah. where when you hit a link, it will uh, call the server again. Here with Next, or with Next.js as well, or SAP, Sapper, the universal web app, or just an app, web application that is server render, and then it's only client side. Yeah, yeah. So then when someone's navigating around and clicking to the next page, it's never going to hit the Nuxt server again. Exactly. Instead, it's going to hit your API server directly. Yeah. So there's kind yeah. of like three pieces. There's like the client-side app, there's like the Nuxt server that just generates the first page load, and then there's the mm. API. And the Nuxt server and the client-side both talk to the API. Yeah, it's actually it's only one server. The client-side is inside um, the... The Next server, we just we have the files inside the the generated. When you will run Next build, it will create a dot Next slash dist directory, and we will uh, serve it to the client directly. Yeah. So yeah, we, you will have an API server and a Next server, and then the client side will be served through the Next server. Yeah. But if you want, you can also push it to a CDN. Yeah. And it would be even faster. Yeah. So I think one of the things that's kind of neat about that approach um, is that you, you you briefly mentioned this earlier when we were talking, um, is that the actual Nuxt server doesn't actually get a ton of requests, really, like a yeah. regular server-side exactly. app would. Yeah, we have actually, with Nuxt.org, we have around a billion page view right now uh, per month. We have only one Node.js server running with a, a gigabyte of memory, and, and it's way that it's it's enough. It's really enough because we, through this million page view, we might have only two hundred thousand requests yeah. that are called on the server side. Then it's only client side navigation, and yeah, you really divide your traffic if your user. Consult uh, visit five pages per sessions. You will have only one request on five that will hit your server. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very cool. So I think maybe the um, the the last topic that I wanted to to talk about is uh, sort of what the differences are between Nuxt and uh, Vue CLI, especially now that uh, Vue CLI three is out. And they've, they've done a lot of work to make it, I think, a lot more powerful than what previous versions of Vue CLI were like. Yeah. So for someone who hasn't really, who doesn't really know exactly what the differences are, it, I think it can be hard to know which which option they should choose. Yeah. So so what? how do you talk about what kind of the differences are and what would push you to, to choose to use Vue CLI or to use Nuxt, depending on what sort of project you're building? Uh, I would say that if you... 
if you want to start first, at the beginning, Vue CLI was only a, a CLI to bootstrap a project through templates. But from now, with Vue CLI 3, you have this plugin system that uh, that you can you can start simple and plug new plugins directly. But it doesn't change that there is no abstraction layer on top of this. So even if you do a server-side application, a universal application with Vue CLI that you can do as well, you will have all the source code. It's like you have the source code of Next.js inside. So it's really good if you want to change really small pieces and have full control of it. But it's uh, if you don't care about this and you just want to develop your application and focus on your pages, on your UI and UX, you may want you may not want this. So it all depends of your need and your the time you have. And if you really want to understand every part of it, ViewCLI is a good choice because you can play view, view router, but you will have to create your route. And one thing that is different between ViewCLI and Nuxt modules um, is that you can plug a Nuxt module directly or, and you can remove it, but you won't change any files inside your code base. If you use ViewCLI and you add a plugin, it will change files inside your project. Then you have to commit then. And if you want to remove the plugin, you have to revert this commit. This makes upgrades more difficult as well, since a plugin updates your code base. With Nuxt, we abstract this uh, plugin system and we call it modules. So you can upgrade modules more easily since it doesn't change any of your code base. Got so it. it's two different approaches, honestly. ViewCLI is really great because people can really understand deeply how Vue works and how your application works. And Nuxt is great, I think, for agency or for any kind of company that, want, that don't want to mess with the webpack configuration that want to be fast, make website quickly. It's yeah, it's two different approaches, honestly. Yeah. I like them both. Yeah. Is it is it correct to say that if you wanted to add server-side rendering to a Vue CLI application, that's probably gonna be a lot of work compared to especially compared to what it's gonna be like with Nuxt? Um I think it could be pretty fast. I didn't try recently. Just add the plugin, but then I think it will be pretty hard to understand how it works. So I will recommend still using Nux for this. And we have these features with Nux that modules can completely change how Nux.js works internally. So for example, if you don't like the pages directory, we have a module called Nux.js slash router. And if you use it, it will disable the pages directory and then it will read a router.js file. So the modules can change how Next.js works internally. Uh, so you, you have the freedom to choose between the two. It's definitely, uh, I think it's a matter of taste, mostly trying both and see the one you, you prefer because we all code differently. And I think it's just a matter of, of taste. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So, so what are um, some of the best resources for people who are interested in learning more about Nuxt and giving it a try? I would say nuxtjs.org, which is our documentation. We are working on improving it, adding some videos. We are working also with the View Mastery and View School to provide more video content, so it will be easier for for people to learn. 
And yeah, this is mostly the, the central point where to start. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for, for coming on the podcast and talking to me about Next. It's been uh, really informative and I've learned a lot. Well, thank you, Adam. What's the best way for people to keep up with you and uh, the things that you're working on? Uh, the Twitter, definitely. We have a Twitter, uh, which is uh, next underscore GS on Twitter. And if you want to follow what I'm working on, uh, my name is 80nux, my username. And yeah, that's uh, we're working on plenty of stuff. And also on, we have Create Next App. And with Create Next App, because it's you, we have also the Tidewind CSS option when you yeah, install a new that. Next that's project. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So thank you very much for the for the podcast. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Uh, so there you have it, folks. That's it for the interview with Sebastian today about Nux.js. If you enjoyed this episode and are interested in checking out uh, some of the links mentioned, head over to fullstackradio.com to find the show notes. Thanks to Rollbar and Cloudinary for sponsoring the podcast this week. See you next time.